I thought I would go to the book of Philippians. Uh, it's a little book of joy, actually. It's, uh, I think we need some joy uh, now more than ever, if, even after Christmas. And uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength, of course. Uh, but I, I, uh, looking at chapter 2, the first 11 verses, a great passage, great Christological passage, we may say. And um, so I thought I'd, I'd spend a little time of, with the thought of living for others. Living for others that brings great joy uh, to us. Uh, in fact, I remember someone uh, mentioning that the word joy, which you take the letters, uh, Jesus first, others, and then yourself, uh, gives us uh, joy. Uh, so Philippians 2, 1 through 11, and uh, just reading the passage itself is, is, is so sublime, so, so beautiful. It hits at the very heart of, of the gospel that we've received from Jesus. And, uh, so uh, Paul is really pastoral here. Um, one could hardly think of Paul as Pastor Paul. <laughs> we would see him, we view him more as a church planter, an apostle traveling from one province and city to another. Um, and yet, there are some things about Paul that really helps us see his pastoral heart. For example, St. Luke in uh, chapter 20 of Acts, uh, gives us a record of the farewell address of Paul to a, a, a number of pastors, uh, Ephesian elders they refer to. Uh, and he portrays uh, this heart of a pastor. In this farewell address to the Ephesian elders, one will discover a number of principles for pastoral leadership one of which is the principle of humility. You'll find that in Acts 20, 19. Uh, serving the Lord, Paul says, with all humility and tears with trials. Um, and, and, and which, uh, in our passage that we're looking at this morning, humility plays a great part uh, as a principle of living for others. Um, his correspondence with the churches, or other churches, or the Corinthian churches, and especially the church at Philippi, uh, also gives us a window into his pastoral heart and his love for the church and the love for the people that serve in the church. One such letter, of course, was sent to the church at Philippi, most likely his favorite uh, congregation. In fact, at least 16 times, the words joy and rejoice or rejoicing are mentioned in, in those four brief chapters. He appreciated, first of all, their partnership in the gospel when he arrived on the European soil as well as his deep gratitude 
for their love gift uh, to him while he was in prison. Uh, two areas of pastoral concern seem to surface. Uh, the first is the agitation that was posed by some false teachers or false teaching. Uh, he addressed that in first three chapters, of course, and then some conflict by two women leaders uh, in the Church of Philippi, which he addresses, which he addressed in chapter four. But in chapter two, verses one through four, carries the theme of living for others in the fellowship of the Spirit, cultivating a, uh, a submissive mind uh, infused with the love and compassion for each other and, and promoting uh, unity instead of what I may call uniformity. Uh, and, and that theme of living for others is well illustrated in the next verses six through, uh, verses five through 11. The illustration of Jesus, humility through, uh, or unity for, for, for his people through uh, uh, humility. So I would like to just highlight four things uh, that are characteristic of those who live for others that I find in, in this passage, at least four of them that I, I want to just cite. Uh, the first is found in verses five and six. They think of others. Folks that, that live for others think of others, not just of themselves. Uh, Jesus, of course, is, is a model of selfless living. Uh, the text says, who, although he existed <clears throat> in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. And the idea of having the form of God here is not a physical caricature of God. Rather, it is an outward expression of an inward nature. He had the nature, the characters, the attributes of God. He had all the attributes of God. He was equal with God, yet Paul said he did not regard this equality or his equality with God something to be held selfishly. His attitude mentioned in verse 5, which we are to emulate, was that of unselfish concern for others. Luther uh, described uh, the sinful life as a self-enclosed life. Let me say that again. The sinful life as a self-enclosed life. Jesus had all the privileges and glories of heaven, yet for the sake of others, he would lay them down. Uh, you and I would expect unsafe people to be selfish, but not followers of Jesus. We are so privileged as God's people by receiving so much of his love and grace and the fellowship of the Spirit that the one response, our only response, 
should be an unselfish response to all the goodness and mercy and love that God has endowed us with, given to us with, with privilege. And, and Paul, in his pastoral role, is saying, lay that down for others. Serve others with all the privileges. Uh, the mark of good leadership is not to take advantage of their, of their privileges, but to reach out to others because we're so privileged. And I think Paul is, is addressing. The, the second uh, thought or characteristic of those who live for others uh, builds on, on this, it's, uh, and it is they think of service to others. Not only thinking of others, but put it in more concrete terms. They, they, they think of not only service of, of others, but they think of serving others, which is, we see in verse 7 of, of a text. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men. Again, the outward expression of an inward nature. He came not to be served, but to serve. And, and, and Mark tells us, and to give his life a ransom for many. Find that in Mark 10, 45. Jesus thought of others and became a servant, a bond servant. Jesus was truly a servant, not, a, not an acting servant, not an actor or playing the role of a servant. He was the servant uh, Isaiah describes as the servant of Yahweh. And this is particularly poignant when we read chapter 53 of how he laid down his life for others. Uh, John, in chapter 13 of his gospel, uh, shares with us really a testimonial to the servant leadership of Jesus. He took the towel and basin and washed the feet of his disciples as an example of humility for us all. What servanthood! Uh, I remember some years back, well, actually 1997, uh, Princess Diana, uh, you know, having a British kind of background, uh, the, the royals were very intriguing to us. I watched her wedding with great um, intrigue. But in 1970, the summer, late summer, actually, of 1997, uh, Princess Diana and Mother Teresa died just days apart. Uh, Mother Teresa, now a saint, uh, canonized by the church, the, the, the Catholic Church, died on August 31st, 1997. Uh, Princess Di Diana died September 5th, 1997, just five days apart. Uh, one was, of course, royalty and lived with all the trappings of a princess. The other was plain and simple, but changed the lives of countless thousands, we may say, of the poorest of the poor. This Albanian, minute little lady, just small in stature, uh, gave her life in 
concrete service to uh, the folks on the streets of Kolkata. It used to be Calcutta, but now changed to Kolkata. She spent a lifetime caring for the poorest of the poor. So here's, here's one quote I, I, I pulled up uh, from, from her. Here's what she said. She said, spread love everywhere you go. And let no, no one ever come to you without leaving happier. Mother Teresa. She would hold these dying, some of them, the, this have nothing. And she said, no one should die alone and without a smile. And she would hold them while they, they would die in her arms. Like Jesus, Mother Teresa lived with so much joy because, like Jesus, she lived to serve others. So one of the characteristics of living for others is that of service. Um, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Mm. Which brings us to the third characteristic. Living for others is, in a sense, those who live for others, they live a life of sacrifice. Verse 8. We see that in Jesus. He was found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Sacrifice is more than an inconvenience of our schedule. Some people lose interest when there is a price to be paid. Uh, I heard of a fellow who set out to climb Mount Everest. It is said of him, he lost interest after the first day. The lines of a hymn, it's in our Nazarene hymn book said, must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone and there's a cross for me. Jesus was not dying as a martyr but as the savior of the whole world. He offered his life as a sin offering. John the Baptist pointed out, this, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. To live for others will and may include sacrifice. Jesus laid his life down for us. What a model of living for others. And, and the last thing, the last point, the last characteristic I find in this passage of what it really means to live for others. And it's those who live for others, they do so to glorify God. Find that in verse 11, very end of verse 11, that, that, that uh, the book end of this great passage. Let me read verse 11. In fact, let me read verse 9 through 11. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, 
so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And then verse 11, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. To the glory of God the Father. At the very heart of the Christian gospel is the glory of God. I mean, I, I, that speaks to me that all we do and all we are and all we dream about is for the glory of God. Not for any institution or an organization. But it points to the glory of God, the exaltation of his son. And so uh, in John 17 and verse 1, in, in the most powerful, sublime prayer of our Lord, here's how he opened up his prayer. Here's what John writes in John 17, 1. Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. He was towards the close of his earthly ministry. Looking back in this prayer as he prayed for himself, his disciples, and then for all of us, the one thing he wanted to, to open up this prayer with was to glorify God. That his life had been that way from the very beginning right up to the end. You see, the whole purpose of Christ's humiliation, based on this, what Paul writes in this chapter, uh, was to glorify God. The whole purpose of the incarnation of his prophetic ministry, that is his earthly ministry, his death, his resurrection, and his exaltation was to glorify God. The climax of this great passage is indeed the glory of God the Father, living for others, serving others, Sacrificing for others has one end in mind, and that is the glory of God. What you do is for the glory of God. You see, this passage I studied with this pastoral heart of Paul, and it, it speaks to us as that our lives must reflect this self-giving, this emptying, this what the word indicates, kenosis, this emptying of ourselves. This passage in Philippians is not telling us how to get saved. He's writing to folks who are already saved. It is about unity through humility. It is about thinking as people who live in the fellowship of the Spirit, it is not about growing in, sorry, it is about growing in grace 
and in the love of God for others. That's what we're training and teaching people to do, to help, to help the folks that they will pastor and serve, to live in the, in the fellowship of the Spirit, to live as the community of Christ's followers, to live selflessly. Yeah. I wonder if he had those two women in mind in chapter 4 when, when he was writing this. We, he doesn't explain what they were fighting about. One probably wanted to be the praise team leader. The other wanted probably to head up the NWMS. Uh, whatever the conflicts were, we, we, we're not privy to that. But that passage speaks to the heart of where they were and where Paul wants to take them in a pastoral role. You see, recent events have revealed how divided we are in this country. Our hearts break. The selfish desires and actions of some leaders are snuffing away the lives and dreams and hopes of every of, of, of the very people they are sworn to protect and to care for. As the people of God, we are called upon to present an alternative to uniformity. That is, in Christ, we are offered unity through humility. In Christ, we share in his joy by living for others, thinking of others, serving others, sacrificing for others, all for the glory of God. This pandemic that we are in right now, and I, I mentioned in, uh, earlier when we were, before we started that my sister-in-law lives in Birmingham, England, is battling for her life right now unable to walk and talk in the hospital because of the COVID virus. Her name is Michelle. I hope we pray for her today. But this pandemic has struck a blow of isolation, of fear and, and hunger for community among us all. That community, of course, built in the fellowship of the Spirit. So I pray that the, the NBC family, this family, our family, will be encouraged in Christ Jesus this morning. Listen to Paul. I didn't read those first four verses, but I, I, I plan to bring it here. Paul said, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion make my joy complete, by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. And he said, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. He goes on to say, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. 
have this attitude. Verse 5, one of the key parts of this passage. Have this attitude, this mind in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. So I pray this morning that as a community of folks who live in the fellowship of the Spirit, this new year will be a year of really serving others, thinking of others, sacrificing for others, and the intent of it all is for the glory and praise of our Father. Amen. Thank you.